What's up? It's VOZ Vos back again with the VOZ rant. And um, today I'm excited. I'm excited because I have a special guest. But before I introduce my special guest, you know, I don't know if you guys been out lately, but everywhere and anywhere you go, they've been requiring masks uh, for you to go into the stores. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. But knowing the 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 current crisis that we're in as a as a country as a as a world, you know, I think it's important that all of us, you know, put that extra stint of of seriousness and take it serious because of cases going up and up and up. You know, as much as I don't like wearing a mask. I realize that other people may be directly affected by, you know, myself, or I may be directly affected by someone else. Though we know that masks are not 100% uh, safe or deterrent from getting any type of virus, it is important to note that the mask does help short term. And short term meaning when you're at the store, you know, trying to get something real quick so you can you know, maybe cook dinner. It's important that you do wear your mask. It's important that you realize that it's not meant to be a permanent solution. It is meant to be a temporary and only momentary solution. The best solution is for your ass just to stay home. That's the best solution. The way that we stop spreading um, the virus, if you have it or someone else has it, is by staying your ass home. It doesn't mean stay locked in your damn room and don't go outside and don't mow your lawn and don't wash your clothes and don't eat. No, you still do everything as normal. You just have to take extra precautions to realize that we are in a global pandemic. It is still happening. It has not gone away. COVID-19 is here to stay. And it's important that you realize that um, it's bigger than you or me. And so the other day I went to Walmart and uh, the Walmart employee was like, hey, um, Washington State law says you have to wear a mask. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I had my two boys with me and I walk in and like nothing. And then I go up to the counter because I'm trying to get some propane tanks. And the lady says, hey, uh, Washington State law says you have to wear a mask. I said, oh, that's great for you. Um, can I just get my propane tanks, please? And she kind of just dismissed it like, okay, this fucking asshole. And um, and proceeded to charge me for my propane tank uh, exchanges. And then I left. I mean, I wasn't there forever. I was literally there maybe 10 minutes. And then I left. But I realized I was being stupid and I was being ignorant. Then I also walked into a Mexican uh, carniceria uh, meat market. And I went to go get some meat because I was going to cook some tacos. And they told me and my family, hey, you guys got to be wearing masks. And I said, perdón, señora, uh, es que no, no tengo mi máscara conmigo. You know, se me olvidó. And she said, well, you need to bring it next time. And now with our current governor in the state of Washington, you know, he's mandating businesses 
to force people to wear masks um, or they'll get fined. And I don't want my Mexican businesses to get fined. I mean, Walmart, I don't give a fuck. Lowe's, I don't give a fuck. But, you know, these small mom and pop shops that uh, small mom and pop shops, <laughs> shops that depend on um, on us shopping there. This is their livelihood. This is how they survive. Walmart, they got billions of dollars. These people, you know, they go to work every day, work hard to try to make a living for themselves and their family um, by owning something. And um, and I think it's important that we realize that it, this is above us um, and it's not just about you. This is about everybody. And so I just wanted to make that note because I realized that I was being ignorant and I realized that other people are being ignorant as well. Um, and it's important that we all work together to try to ease the tension between you know, ourselves and other people who may disagree. We need to come to a common ground and and agree to disagree for the greater good. Now, we can debate and talk all we want, but the problem is that coronavirus is still in the air. It's still here, and it's here to stay. We have more and more cases every single day, which is crazy. And, um, and you know, I mean... You got people like Donald Trump trying to force people to go to school and mandate masks, you know, on kids. That's ridiculous. I just made a, I, I had re, uh, shared a article um, that came from the White House saying uh, that Betsy DeVos, uh, the Board of Education educator, I forgot what her position is, fucking moron. That's That's what it is. Um, basically saying, hey, we're mandating that the schools open up in the fall. We're taking away their funding. Like, huh? Who who the fuck do you guys think you are to force people to go back to school in, in the midst of the biggest or greatest global pandemic uh, facing our world today? Like, what? And the only reason they say that is because they don't have kids that are going back to school. They don't have to worry about it. We have to worry about it. They get to sit good, you know, in their secret service cars being shuffled back and forth to and from their meetings and and the rallies and all that good stuff while we are out here suffering um, unemployment, where we're suffering going back to work. Uh, while we're suffering having to take care of our kids because they weren't in school, while we're suffering having to figure out how to deal with this uh, this virus and get accustomed to this new way of living, it's it's crazy. They don't have to deal with any of that stuff, so it's easy for them to just say some random shit. And when I made my post, you know, I, I got some people commenting under there, and you know, there was one individual that was like, "Hey." You know, I, they need to go back to school in the fall. I agree. And I'm like, you know what, man? Come talk to me. Come talk on my podcast. Well, he refused. First, he was, uh, you know, chest out, Mr. Macho. And then he kind of just backed out because he realized that he didn't want it. He didn't want to smoke because he realizes that, you know, I'm going to beat him at his own game. You want to be a troll? 
then let's let's figure out how big of a troll you are when it comes to facts and science when it comes to to real world situations when it comes to having a a live debate with someone you know i ain't gonna be mad at you i'm not gonna hate you after i'll still say hi and bye but you know what i mean i know what side do you stand on and i know that i'm gonna stand on the right side the right side of history is always gonna be correct and if you're on the right side then you're gonna be just fine but this segues into the interview that i had today actually this interview was yesterday um july 9th 2020 and my brother had mentioned to me about this candidate that was running for House of Representatives in the state of Washington, a young guy by the name of Eduardo Castañeda. And I was like looking at his Facebook post, seeing uh, the things that he was saying and what he stands for, what he represents. And come to find out he's 27 years old. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. He's Mexican. You know, he's like me. He understands where we come from, the hard work that we have to do. He understands what is needed in order for us to prevail, to move forward. I need to talk to this guy. So my brother was like, hey, have him on your podcast, interview him. And my, you know, my podcast is, I'm just ranting. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no you know, formal way of, of what I do. You know what I mean? I'm just ranting. I'm just literally giving you my thoughts and opinions. And so I was like, you know what? Whatever, call it an interview, but I just want to have a conversation with the guy. I just want to know who he is, what he does, and what he represents, and what he's been doing. And, you know, I think that that it's important for us to get involved in politics, even though a lot of us like to say, you know, what? I don't like to get into politics. So let's not discuss that, you know. And I think that they have told us on purpose that, you know, you don't discuss politics or religion or things like that amongst the group of people uh, or at the table or things like that, because people are going to disagree. But I think it's important that we talk about those things because we need to understand where people are and what side they actually stand on. So. Eduardo Castañeda, he actually grew up in Quincy, Washington. If you're familiar with Quincy, Washington, you know it's a little small town farming community. He was uh, born in California, and I'm reading this off of his uh, website, electeduardo.com. He says, born in California to immigrant parents uh, in the United States. Or, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me go back. Born in California to immigrant parents, United States Army Specialist Eduardo Castañeda Diaz was raised in Quincy, Washington. After graduating from Quincy High School, he was accepted to Washington State University and graduated with a degree in foreign languages and cultures with a minor in criminal justice. While in college, Eduardo enlisted and served for five years in Washington, uh, in the Washington, California, and Idaho Army National Guards and currently serves as a combat engineer. After graduating, Eduardo continued his education attending graduate school for two years and law school for one. Eduardo has since returned home to continue serving his community, community 
in the Washington in the Washington House of Representatives with perseverance and dedication. So, with that being said, I'm gonna uh, turn this over to the recording that we had, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. If you have any questions, you know, comments, opinions, you know. You want to just talk shit, talk smack, or you want to give kudos. I encourage you to reach out to me. If you have the Anchor app, chime in. If you don't, DM me on Instagram. Uh, we can we can talk about it. And if you want to come on my podcast, come on my podcast. I do these podcasts weekly, sometimes daily, but without without uh, um, without further ado here is our interview with eduardo castañeda the meeting invites confused but how are you doing i'm good i just woke up uh after a long day of working at home late night yeah. um how are you i'm doing good man i'm actually uh sitting in the office um at a commercial tire getting my brakes done in my car oh hello from so i was like hey i was like hey can i borrow uh an office so i can have this meeting and they're like uh sure go ahead you know but luckily my cousin's the manager here so it kind of worked out you know perfect so all right so just so you know we're recording this uh video meeting and uh and uh you know hopefully i have your consent for that uh yeah you have my consent to record okay perfect audio and video perfect sounds good i'm excited I, you know i've been seeing your post around a facebook and man i i love everything that you're doing and and uh and everything that you post very concise very detailed and so when i my, actually my brother introduced me to your content and 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 what you were doing and uh and he's like bro you gotta take a look at this guy and i was like huh who is he so anyways uh let me um let me go ahead and introduce you so you're a graduate of quincy high school a uh, class of 2011 right yes sir uh graduate of washington state university in 2017 with a bachelor's in foreign languages and cultures and you minored in criminal justice You've served in the Army National Guard five years and for the state of Washington, Idaho, and California, two years a culinary specialist, three years as a combat engineer. You've deployed to two different wildfires uh, to search and rescue team in the state of California. You're currently working on your master's uh, in Chicano studies, public policy concentration, and you're doing your thesis in uh, homelessness um, in the state of or, um, San Francisco Bay Area. And it looks like you also attended uh, one year law school to pursue, uh, but you left to pursue politics, correct? Yes, sir. And uh, so it looks like, you know, you came from a low income family, Mexican immigrant family from Jalisco. That's where my family's from as well. <laughs> and uh, your parents immigrated here in the 1980s as farm workers, you've worked in the fields, cherries, apples, corn, blueberries, since you were 14 years old. You've worked in uh, immigration law, helping undocumented children and obtaining asylum. 
um, also helping Central American women obtain uh, domestic violence asylum, also working with DACA renewal uh, workshops, uh, US naturalization workshops for citizenship. And um, it looks like you're currently working as a paid intern in the Northwest uh, Justice Project uh, for farm worker justice. And, um, and then also, um, it looks like also helping with COVID-19 response for farm workers and things like that. You got a long list of long list of stuff. And, um, and then you're the youngest running candidate for the state uh, of Washington for the House of Representatives. How do you feel, man? How do you feel about that? Um, well, I feel normal. It's uh, I've been working, working my whole life. I mean, right. My parents started working in this country when they were 12 and 14. So wow. working young uh, in this country is in my family. Yeah. Um, I, actually, when I first filed for office back in May, I got a uh, sublim subliminal shade from my opponent saying he's 70 years old and I'm 27 years old. He said, we need somebody with real life experience to lead <laughs> our district. And then what you just summarized, I summarized it back to him. Like I have life experience. I've worked in the fields. I come from a low income immigrant family. I, I wasn't born in central Washington. I was born in central California. And, oh. but, but when I was uh, three months old, I moved to Quincy. Wow. So, so I've been in Quincy my whole life. I, I know the struggle. I know what it is to be uh, a poor uh, Mexican-American growing up here like a lot of us. Yeah. Um, that is real life experience to me. Yeah. Uh, and then I have my educational experience and my military experience. I think that is a good package uh, to offer to the constituents. But yeah. unfortunately, um, my opponent has the, right off the gate he played the, the age card against me, but I used it as saying, look, I'm 27 and I've done this much and right. you are 70 years old and you're still a racist. <laughs> you haven't done much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, and we got to call it how it is. You know what I mean? We got to call it how it is in today's time. It's crucial that we're, that we're cutting through all the BS and all the stuff that people are trying to fluff up the media with just to get us to shut up, you know? And, and, uh, but we're in a different time. We're in a time where millennials like us, you know, we're, we're saying, Hey, you know what? Maybe our parents couldn't do it, but we're going to do it for them. And, and, and we're going to accomplish the things that they couldn't do. So I don't, I don't, I see, I see everything that you've done up to this point. Um, I, I don't think that 70 years old to 27 has any difference because I think everything is in the person and the mind and, uh, and you know, what you're willing to do and what you're willing to accomplish. So at the end of the day, uh, I don't think years in, in, in years old is important as what you're willing to do, you know? So, yes. And I also want to uh, say that, um, Two of my biggest inspirations to run for office are Bernie Sanders. I've been following him since 2015. And also Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, AOC. She's oh, the youngest uh, house rep, I believe. And I've been keeping up with her since she started running about three years ago. And she's running for um, to be reelected. And seeing how she's a Latina and she is young and also speaks her mind, I actually saw her as a role model. So if she can do it, 
I mean, I can do it here in Washington as well. Oh, of course, of course. And 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 you're you're getting a lot of support. And by the way, do you create all your your content on Facebook? Uh yeah, I've learned how or well, I've learned how to code to do my website. I've learned how to do graphic design and Photoshop. I've also learned how to use Adobe Premiere uh, to do uh, subtitles. Uh, I do have a uh, a film director from Wenatchee who's working on uh, with us to do the campaign videos. Um, but in regards to the written content, I I just do it myself. Wow, it, it it's literally amazing, man. Sometimes I'm like, no, he must have a whole team for this because, like, you know, the graphics is on point. The 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 content that you're actually putting out and what you're speaking on is crazy. Uh, good and um, and I'm just like wow he must have a whole marketing team behind him but now we know you're a one-man band and with some help you know what I mean so that's good you know that's good we got to start somewhere right grassroots yeah so I usually just google how political um, ads are I google everything you know yeah. um, there's no excuse to not know anything since there's so many examples on the internet yeah I usually use Venn diagrams or bar graphs or anything that can compare and contrast right. because I think my opponent and I are very different, you know, yeah. he votes against everything that's in the best interest of my community, but how do I express that to people in my community as quickly as possible? Like I keep in mind, we are in the worst pandemic in our generation. People are stressed. People don't have time to, you know, read a whole essay. So I like to make concise compare and contrast and, Right. People have been very receptive to that. Yeah, yeah, and you're and you're doing a great job. So, so the first the first thing is I, you know, I'm I'm looking at your your Facebook, right? And you know, um, I'm looking at you know all the 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 content that you've been posting, and you take a lot of shots at your opponent, Tom Dant. You know, um, you know, do you just do you just not like them in general, or you just like, hey, I don't agree with everything that you're that you've been doing, and you're still trying to do. Yeah, it's nothing personal. I don't really know him in real life. I just know his voting record and his life story from what has been interviewed in the past seven or eight years. Um, you know, he's just like Donald Trump. He he votes against everything that's civil rights related. Um, I don't hate Donald Trump either. I mean. He's a very horrible person in regards to what he does in, in government. And that's right. the same way I view Tom Dent. Um, I don't hate him, but I really feel that he has to go. Yeah, um, yeah. So he he's not somebody I would want to be a friends with, but I don't take it personally. I mean, yeah. I, I don't get offended by by uh, this type of these type of personalities. I don't take it personally. I mean, there's so many. Why there's so many in the world? We're just so conditioned and it's so normalized to have to put up with, you know, old hateful men in this world. So yeah, absolutely. it's just and normal. It's, it's normal to us. It's just another person that has to go. Exactly. It's just another person that has to go. It's time for change. It's time for us to reform. It's time for us to clean up house and and re-strategize and reorganize and push forward the the agenda of actually helping people not suppressing people you know exactly my my mindset going forward yeah so i mean why the house of representatives why why not start maybe um you know as a city council member a mayor you know things like that 
Um, well, I wanted to cut to the chase. I wanted to make policy that affects the state, you know, with regards to uh, university uh, students. Uh, one of my biggest inspirations to run for office is to help undocumented students. That was my big introduction to, um, to politics was assisting DACA students at Washington State University. And I feel that you can't, the only way to help university yeah. students is at the state level. So right. I'm, I'm starting off with uh, the state representatives to represent my district. Um, if I don't um, happen to win this election, I will uh, be running for local office uh, in the next two years and here in Quincy. Nice, nice. Okay, yeah, of course. Why, why, you know, deal with the little stuff when you can go straight to the big stuff? Because that's really where, where the, the problems really uh, uh, have effect, right? Yes, that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly and so, right. And so, um, you know, so you were pursuing law, right? And, uh, and you're like, you had a change of heart. And you wanted to do politics, pursue public office. Why? Why? Why not keep going with the law side and maybe you know become a successful lawyer that can also help you know senators and 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 policymakers write laws? Well, it's a long story, but I'll make it short. Um, I started law school last summer at the University of Idaho, and some of my students said some um, pro genocide, pro fascism, pro Nazism comments, and I brought it. I'm open i made an open letter to the um, to the administration and they pretty much shut me down saying is their first amendment right to say these hateful things and i was just really upset i i didn't feel safe at the school yeah um so so i lost interest in going to law school and i actually withdrew after the second semester back in march and after speaking to one of my professors who's really kind um, his name is Richard. Uh, he, I asked him, what can I do with my life? You know, I had to really like think, like, how can I use this knowledge to really help my community still? And he said, why don't you think about running for office? So I, I sat down and I investigated it. And um, three weeks later, I filed for office. After wow. three, three weeks after leaving law school. So I don't want pity about my law school experience. I do want to return to law school after politics to be a, an attorney, like you said. I do want to be an immigration attorney uh, at a different school. But I don't believe in you know sitting down, crossing my arms, complaining. That's not going to help the situation. So I feel that I can still continue serving my community, even though you know I only have one year of law school under my belt. Right, right. But, you know, I feel like, you know, life experience in general is is uh, is enough for us to pursue anything that we want to do. You know, who's to say that, you know, for example, someone, you know, uh, you walk into a McDonald's. Right. And, you know, you're getting your order uh, from from the, the, you know, representative and you know, you happen to be kind of frustrated with your phone and say you're trying to do something you don't know how to do. And they're like, hey, well, you know, actually, if you just do this and this, this will get it to work. And then, you know, most people will be like, well, what does a McDonald's employee know? Right? Because well, I've worked at McDonald's, you know, and I know I've worked here at the Quincy McDonald's as a cook. Yeah. And I've worked in fast food and as a dishwasher, as a field worker. I've worked in every low-income job 
that a Mexican can do. I've done it. Yeah. Because, you know, my parents taught me to not be ashamed to work hard. Of and, course. And I know that there's a lot of talented people, smart people in, in these type of jobs. And, you know, my philosophy in life, because my mom is a janitor. I've been a janitor. And I've been disrespected by, you know, I used to work as a janitor at Washington State University. You know, and people just leave their trash on the table. And while you're cleaning, they don't even say how you're doing. They don't care about your day. There's just, yeah. you're just another low-income worker to them. But to me, I treat the janitor the same as I would treat the CEO. You know, mm. that's the type of respect. And you should be able to take into account everybody's perspective, regardless right. of their position in life. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. To my point, it's like, you know, I think people, uh, you, you know, judge a book by its cover before actually reading it, you know, and, and, and actually getting to know that there is a lot of capable people out there. There's just in the, in the, in the wrong position at the time, or maybe they're still going through the process of finding themselves. Right. And uh, go ahead. Yes, and I agree. And another thing uh, that's very important to uh, point out is the generational inequality, the generational wealth gap. For example, if a person like us, I don't know your background story, but a, a person like me who was born into poverty, into an immigrant family, you know, I had to find my way to get a home plate just so I can have an at-bat. Some people out here in this world that I've worked with or gone to school with were already born on third base they yeah. uh, they were born on third base they already had the head start that's the thing we have to you know help students you know us who fought our way to to the app to to the plate you know we have to get other people to the plate right or, or help them get to first base you know that's a right. sports analogy but yeah i'm a big baseball fan but some people are born on third base and we really have to you know you know, deny this whole myth of meritocracy where people think if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you're going to make it in life. Yeah. You know, there's so many factors. That's that's a bunch of like, you know, people, people, socioeconomic um, background, their mental health, their family structure all comes into play. And some people are born with like full families and like, Full uh, inheritances and parents with like doctor degrees and right, uh, and not everybody gets those opportunities and and that you know that I was actually just discussing this the other day where you know when they they refer, you know people refer to like oh well pull yourself up from the bootstraps you know and I always say you know like well maybe if I had some boots maybe I can pull them up you know what exactly. I mean exactly. I wasn't I like, born I like with that. the boots. You know what I mean? I wasn't born with the boots. You know, not everybody is born with a pair of boots, right? So maybe you can say that, right? Maybe someone else can say, hey, yeah, well, pull yourself up from the bootstraps. But hey, you know what? Well, have you sat down and thought that maybe everybody else doesn't have boots like you? You know? Yeah, and I agree. Um, through my Chicano studies, through my graduate work, I've actually had to analyze uh, social, economic, and racial theory. Um, and I've, we've really dissected the whole notion of the American dream. If you work hard enough, you can make it in life. Mm -hmm. But there is way more to, to success in this country than having the will to go. And I feel that, you know, our culture and people in general criticize people for not wanting to succeed enough. But there's so many factors that go into 
achieving your dreams and a lot of it has to do with money yeah you know financial status you know you can want something so badly but if you don't have the resources you're not going to make it right the right. only reason i've made it is because i've you know received so many scholarships and and, and student loans to fund my dreams yeah but other people do not have access to that such as undocumented students they only until and, recently yeah and then and not everybody has uh, the ambition or the drive or the knowledge or the necessary tools or help to figure out how to get those scholarships you know to to find out everybody thinks that it's just so easy to be like oh well you you, you should be able to figure it out but some people do need the help and other people are capable you know uh like yourself that that you took the time to read up on it to figure out what what it, what it takes you know ask you know your your professor and be like you know what well i don't like i don't like this you know what do you think i could do with my life right and then then you got, got a suggestion maybe run for public office and that's what you're doing now right yeah so, I've, I've always respected the opinions of my professors i've always had good relations with them and most of the most of the time their their advice was really good and I really want to give a shout out to all my professors who have helped me get here where I am. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. You know, the That's scholarships, great. recommendations, networking advice, life advice. Did you did you ever deal with, you know, a, a professor that, you know, probably didn't have your general interest or maybe they were kind of, you know, uh, just dismissing you or maybe discriminate you and in, in, during your program and your bachelor's degree? No, I was never discriminated. I was dismissed. Like, there's classes with three or four hundred people per classroom. Mm -hmm. um, I have never felt discriminated, but I have felt like just a number. Like the universities, universities are businesses. They want to make profits off of you. They want to exploit you. Uh, the schools, universities are not there to. They're not there for you. They're there for their pockets. Yeah. But some professors. Do care about you generally but a lot of the professors are also there for that reason they're just there to get a paycheck teach right. you go through the books and go home you, right. can get, you get that vibe like hey professor can you help me with this and you know part of the problem is there's three or four hundred kids in that classroom and also they have five or six other classes so you're one of three or four thousand students that they deal with you know yeah. i you know it is frustrating when you think like I'm only one of 4,000 students. They don't care about me. So yeah. that, it is very demotivating to just be a number to them, but never, yeah. never discriminated, just dismissed. And so during, during, um, during your, you know, your upbringing, have you ever dealt with any type of racial discrimination, any type of uh, discrimination in, in general? Well, I grew up in Quincy, Washington. I don't know if you're familiar with Quincy. Yeah, it's about 90% Latino, Mexican, uh, Central American. So I grew up being the majority, you know, we, we grew up in a major a majority Latino, Latinx, Hispanic community. I never dealt with racism here. I went to Big Bend Community College as well for two years before transferring to uh, Wazoo. I didn't experience racism in Big Bend either. Um, it wasn't until I joined the army that I started experiencing uh, racism. From, wow. That's when I started like connecting with people from Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, you know, and Tennessee. Uh, 
I think one of the most blatant racist acts I've ever experienced was when I was interacting with this soldier from Tennessee. We were pulling fire guard, and that's when you take care of the soldiers at night so that nobody goes into the barracks. And he was the guy before me. He was this guy from Tennessee who the night before had told me how his great-great-grandfather had fought in the Civil War in favor of slavery and that his uncle or some some bullshit that, that he was in the KKK, a grand, grandmaster wizard or some bullshit. Yeah. And, and I'm like, whoa. And he said the Civil War wasn't fought for slavery. It was fought for states' rights. Anyways, so right before I went on, when we were switching, I, I started flipping through the pages where the fire logs are. And it was graffiti that was vandalized with a bunch of swastikas. Wow. And I, and I reported it to the chain of command in the morning, and they just said, it is what it is. Pretty much. Um, so was your chain of command white, I'm supposing? Yeah, the a lot of the army and the leadership is Caucasian white. Um, there, there is a lot of discrimination in the, in the army. For example, throughout my trainings, you know, I've received microaggressions. They've called me like a, like a Mexican in a, in a bathroom or like a, like a go back to gardening or like a landscaping. Mm. And... Well, I was in law school last year. I was crossing the road, uh, going home, crossed my, my bike on a crosswalk, and some man pulled down his window and said, hey, you, you fucking wetbag, get out of the way. Wow. And, yeah, so that's the most racist thing I've ever experienced. But generally speaking, it's been microaggressions, stereotypical jokes. You know, I don't take offense to them, but... You know, somebody could like being called a gardener or a landscaper or right, right. And know, sometimes you have to. And sometimes it seems like we just have to dismiss it because we can't do anything about it. You know, sometimes we have to just kind of ignore it because you know we're the minority in a majority setting. You know. Yeah, I agree. You can't. Like another thing is mental health. If you focus, if you give races your energy. They're going to win. That's what they yeah. want you to do. They want you to think about them. They want you to be bothered. Um, if you stay unbothered, they lose. Yeah. So yeah. that's my perspective. Like, I'm not going to give them my energy. I have to focus on, that on helping my community. I have to focus my energy on helping my family. Like, staying yeah. mad is not going to help me. I'd rather run for office and, and uh, pass legislation that that really um, helps the community instead of getting mad. Exactly, exactly. We gotta, we gotta take the negative and, and somehow bring out the positive in us and, and do better for, for everybody, right? And so, I mean- um, What they really hate is to see us in positions of power and positions of change. Exactly. That's what they, that's what they don't wanna see. So that's exactly. what we're gonna do. Exactly, exactly. And so, and so um, um, you know, in the current climate today, we're seeing a lot of, of media with uh, police brutality, you know, uh, police against uh, uh, black, you know, people uh, abusing their rights, you know, shooting, things like that. What do you think of all that? I think it's really bad. Um, I've worked with um, sheriffs and state patrols and local police officers um, in the National Guard, and I believe that there there are really good people who are in the police force. Um, but when it comes to um, police violence against black people in America, 
it's a systemic and historic issue and it should be addressed. Uh, there is no justification for the, you know, the killing of unarmed black, black men and black people in America. And I believe that police departments in America have um, covered for themselves for, for far too long. Yeah. Uh, the, the good cops um, have um, historically gotten kicked out of the, of the force for, for, for being whistleblowers. Right. And I believe that we've tried different approaches, approaches to uh, solving these inequities uh, through reform and the law and policy, but uh, nothing has happened in, in the last decade and a half. Uh, many unarmed uh, black Americans have been killed by the police and it was a tipping point with George Floyd seeing him yeah. die with for eight minutes plus with a knee on his neck and I think it was really really sad and horrible and I believe that the response from people across America was was justified it's horrible yeah. and yeah. enough is enough um yeah, which is which is what I was gonna. That's enough. That's what I have to say. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, what I mean, it's it's what I've been telling people. I've been telling people on my podcast, you know, to my listeners and and on Facebook and Instagram and everything. And I'm using everything to say, hey, look, you guys are focused on the wrong things. Who cares about the rioting? Who cares about the destruction of, of property and things like that? What you guys don't understand is that we have a group of people who have oppressed you know, the minorities in this country and specifically black people through slavery and systemic injustice, you know, and discrimination, this was uh, about to happen. This was bound to happen, you know? This is a result of people being oppressed for so long. And and then finally they saying, you know what? We can't do this no more. I'm tired. I, we can't continue through the same path and the same uh, to get the same result, you know. So then I, I'm assuming, uh, based on what you, what you just said, that you're a supporter of Black Lives Matter. I am. Yeah. And so, have you gone out to um, to any of the the, the rallies and and protests? I've gone out to three Black Lives Matter marches here in Quincy, Washington. Uh, I actually organized the first one, and there was about a hundred people who came out, and wow. then there was a hundred people who came out to the second one. Wow. Uh, there was about 20 people in the last one. Um, I've been meaning to go to another one in Ellensburg. Uh, they're going on day number 35 straight in Ellensburg, wow. Washington, without stop. Same people posting their like hashtag day 36. Here we go. <laughs> no, Ellensburg is also my district, and I've been getting some really bad information. For example, uh, there was people with Black Lives Matter posters on their windows. I don't know if you know this, but some people's houses with those posters were vandalized. They put um, N-word on the back of their pickup in like black spray paint. Wow. And they also put swastikas all over the front of their house and windows. I didn't know that. That's and crazy. They, and on their, on their mailbox, they put Jew. So they put N-word, Jew, swastika. I'm like, these are the people we're dealing with. Another point, people who vandalize with racist, racist things, please do it in broad daylight. Don't be a coward. Let's see right. who you are. Like, 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 like square up. Like, <laughs> people yeah. are scared. Racists are cowards. They yeah. do their their work at night. They vandalize my my constituents' houses at night because they're scared. 
Right. People, you know, races are too much, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, if if they, they if they only have the balls to come out, you know, what I mean, maybe maybe we can then have a conversation, you know, what I mean, but they don't want to have those conversations, you know, and then there's no repercussions for for uh, you know what they do, you know. So you know, you get vandalized, you report it, and then you get told, hey, well, sorry, there's nothing we can do. You know, there's a similarity between the street situations where the vandalism was done at night. The swastikas from the logbook were done at night, and the guy who called me a, a fucking wetback rolled down his window and then peeled off right away. You know, none of those three racist incidents did the person uh, show faith, yeah. show face, or you know, want an argument. They just want to express their hatred, get away with it, and keep going. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, I actually attended uh, the uh, Black Lives uh, Matter um, protest out here in Moses Lake. So I, I live in Moses Lake, and uh, and um, I was standing there with my sign, right? And and we're getting people passing by, you know, supporters, you know, honking, right? And then there was other people rolling down their windows, like ah, fuck you, niggers, you know, things like that. And I'm just like, what the, what's going on? You know what I mean? And yeah, people I'm, are racist. Yeah, you know, there was Central Washington. And there was literally, you know, from and it was from young people to to older men, you know what I mean? Uh that that were blatantly just showing disrespect, like, hey, you know, get off the side of the street, get a job, you know, go do something better with your life. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Yeah, I I received that um when I organized the one in Quincy, um a Quincy Quincy Valley News is like a not a journalist site. It's more like a like a blog. Yeah, it has like eight thousand followers, and it's mostly Quincy people. And when they when they share that we were organizing the march, the first one of three in Quincy uh, a few weeks ago, even the Latinos from the town, the Mexican Americans, were talking trash about it. They were saying, "Mejor pongas a trabajar or do something good with your life." I'm like, these are the kids who are not doing anything with their lives. I mean, it's not mutually exclusive. You can work a job and be somebody in life and, you know, you can still take care of your community. You know, it's not one or the other. I think that's something that we have to tackle in our own culture as well. Uh, Kids who, not kids anymore, they're like 20 to 25 and they're apathetic and they don't care about the movement and all they care is about making bread, you know, money isn't the end all be all of life. And we have to really tell people that, you know, you have to contribute to society at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then being trolls about it saying, get a job, get a life. That's not helping the cause. And that's referring back to your point. People trying to troll you with go back to work. And it's very unfortunate. It's unfortunate. People have that mentality. And, 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 and it's, it's crazy, you know, because I, I, I noticed amongst the group of people that I was in, you know, um, some of them were unemployed. Some of them, some of them didn't have jobs, but they were out here protesting, you know, in favor of Black Lives Matter, which I found great. You know, I'm like, hey, maybe you're not. Maybe you don't have a job. Maybe you're struggling. But the, the you know, to see someone out there still knowing that they're struggling is was just 
you know, heart feeling to me. You know what I mean? It, it was just great to see that, you know? That That is correct. There, there's people with, you know, without the resources now due to the pandemic, and they're still out there marching. Yeah. So what's the excuse to everybody talking trash, right? They should be out there as well. Yeah. But they're not. They're, 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 they're keyboard warriors who like to... I'm sure you get keyboard warriors on your blog, right? People, oh, yeah. People don't... You know, my mentality, if you won't say it in real life, don't say it online. Exactly. If, for that, example, example, one of the people from Quincy went too hard in the comments in that post and say, I hope this, this says, I hope they start looting so I can start using them as target practice and shoot wow. them. And the whole town came out and and canceled him due to the, why would you shoot innocent people? Yeah. But, uh, you can do some research on who that was. I won't say their name. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll definitely look into that. That's that's I didn't know that that took place. You know, I, I normally every time I post something, you know, I, I you know I have a few trolls that go on there and and say, you know, hey, basically always just dismissing everything. You know what I mean? And you know, so I always invite everybody, like, hey, come on my podcast. You know, you 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 want to say all these things on social media? Come on my podcast. Let's do a video. You know, uh, meeting. Let's let's record it. And let's put it out for everybody to see so people actually know exactly what you're talking about. And so they know they can put a, a, a you know, a face to the words. But then I always get, you know, in the back end, you know, in the private conversations that we have, they're like, no, well, I, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. You know, oh, OK, so now you don't feel comfortable. I think a big issue is that, you know, insecure people like to talk big. Big game. Yeah, they they like to, you know, bullying bullying people online. You know, you're expressing your own traumas. Like yeah. you were probably bullied in your own life, and you know we need to take care of that. You know, that's how I look at it. I look at people when they're bullies. I look at like I analyze like what has happened to their life. Maybe I give them too much of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I, I do. I, I I I give them the benefit of the doubt and say. Maybe he's gone through something, you know. He has to exp express it in a condescending way to try to look cool for for yeah. other people, and you know, we have to take that into account as well. Yeah, yeah. I I always try to you know play you know the give people the benefit of the doubt, but sometimes I realize that just people are are idiots. You know, what I mean, just people are just plain ignorant, and they won't believe anything, even if it's based on facts, science, and everything else. They just they just won't. They'll stick to their guns regardless if they know it's wrong, you know? And that's just mind-blowing to me. It's just like, what? To believe that there's people out here like that? I'm just like, come on, man. True. I, so, feel, I feel like that sometimes, too. Uh, mostly right now because of COVID-19, right? It's it yeah. Expose everybody who doesn't believe in science. You know, people who are... The only people that make me feel that way are the conspiracy theorists. The ones that say that wearing a mask is gonna give you some type of disease that's worse than COVID nineteen, which is COVID nineteen is pretty bad. It creates holes in your lungs. Yeah, I don't know if a mask can do that. But yeah, it, it it's crazy. You know, what I mean, it just you have you know you have uh, people out here you know saying don't wear masks because uh, you know you're gonna die, but if you don't wear the mask, you will die. You know what I mean? So it's like. It's just well, crazy. Well, then again, they listen to a man uh, who gives them health advice, such as 
don't stand near windmills because it gives you cancer. Yeah. Do you know who that is? No. Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna take a wild guess and say him, but you know, I mean he just said so many things it's hard to keep track of anything he does say anymore, you know. Yeah, so when you listen to how for example, yesterday he's like, okay, CDC, the leading disease uh, department in the United States, the leading authority. He's like, I don't like your advice. I'm going to open the schools. And people are like, oh, Donald Trump doesn't like the CDC's advice. We have to open the schools. People are such sheep when it comes to listening to Donald Trump. Donald Trump has no experience, no credibility left, if he ever had any. And people are diehard supporters of, of Donald Trump, and they listen to him as an authority on science and that's what frustrates me yeah and it comes down it trickles down the party you know to my opponents and to the to the state gop party they listen to him like he's a leading scientific authority and that is what's frustrating because hundreds of thousands of people are dead because of his his lack of um dealing with this in a proper way yeah, yeah, it's just outright dismissal and ignorance for the severity of the case, you know. So, I mean, and that and that leads into my next question, you know, do you think that we should open up schools in the fall? Do you really believe that it that that it, we're even at a point to open up schools in the fall? Uh, no. I actually posted about this yesterday. Uh, there's 3 million confirmed cases of coronavirus, COVID-19 in the US uh, as a as of today, and opening up the school as one percent of our population, one yeah. in a hundred people in this country has COVID nineteen. That's pretty scary. Yes. Um, the move to send kids to school on behalf um, by on the part of Secretary Betsy DeVos and President Donald Trump is a really bad move. It's not based on science or medicine. It would only kill kids and teachers you know in arizona uh, a teacher died from summer teaching just yesterday i believe or this past week wow. uh, th three teachers got covid 19 one of them just died last night i believe you can look up the dates but yeah. i have um, a friend in phoenix who was actually running for the school board in phoenix and he actually posted about okay you want to open up, you want to open up schools a teacher just died from covid 19 how many more teachers and that's from like summer teaching and semi-person yeah. teaching imagine full-blown 100 percent in class in-person classes yeah how many more kids um and teachers have to die for the the government to to get a grasp of how wrong to this understand, is. yeah to understand to how understand. critical every decision that they make uh is you know what i mean so do you think that um do you think given given that 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 uh you know news uh, publication from Betsy DeVos uh, do you think that our state governor should say hey no 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 we're not going to open up schools like we're going to we're going to keep them closed down or we're going to keep remote learning or or you know what what do you think the solution is Oh well I believe that Washington will give a response I haven't seen it yet but the statement from uh, the, the U.S. Department of Education was pretty recent. 
Do you recall when it was released one or two days ago, three days ago? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's fairly recent. And, you know, the thing that Donald Trump's administration has done is try to deflect from the serious issues, which is corruption at every single level of the executive branch. Um, all his cronies are going down for corruption and, and uh, treason. Yes. And he's, he's being investigated still. It's an ongoing investigation being tried for, um, you know, connections to to Russia and um, different uh, mafias and corruption uh, regarding, uh, you know, funding his own businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of his associates, you know, personal attorneys and ex-diplomats in his cabinet are going down left and right. They're going down. Uh, they're dying like flies. And that's the main issue that he's trying to detract from. Also, he's trying to deflect from his bad response from the coronavirus. He's let 200,000 plus Americans die under his watch due to yeah. the coronavirus. He's, try- he's trying to get reelected at any cost. He doesn't care how many Americans die as long as he doesn't get, as long as, long as he gets elected. Because here's the issue. If he doesn't get, let me bring it back. He knows that if he doesn't get reelected, he's going to be tried for his crimes as a civilian. The only re- reason he hasn't been tried because it was unprecedented to try a sitting president for the crimes he's been acu- accused of. Right. So he knows as soon as he leaves office in January, if he does not get reelected, he's done. He's going to prison for life. So he's throwing everything he can to try to distract the people in America from from his from his crimes and one of the things he's recently in the f- past few days he's trying to throw kids and teachers under the bus yeah and so he can d- distract the American people from the real issue yeah. how is Washington going to respond I believe we're not going to listen to Donald Trump just like we haven't listened to him for the last four years on his racist uh, transphobic anti-immigrant policies washington has taken a stance why because we are a majority a majority democratic state and we have common sense we have opposed uh at the, at the attorney general's uh, office bob ferguson has opposed and won many of the cases against donald trump and i believe that trying to kill students and teachers by sending them to school during a global pandemic wouldn't be any different and i think washington will challenge it in the coming week I hope so. I hope so, because I've already put it out several times. I did a whole podcast on it and I said, hey, you know what? I don't care what anybody says. While we're in the midst of the, the, the biggest global pandemic that we've seen in our current time, I'm not sending my kids back to school. You know, I have I have, uh, you know, two sons that will be going back to school in the fall, you know, and, you know, one that I'm trying to, you know, possibly put in, in, in preschool. Uh, he's three years old and um but I'm like, you know, during this whole thing, there's no way, there's no way I'm gonna, I'm gonna force my kid to go to school, um, and then force them to wear a mask, right? And then still be exposed because we know that the mask is not protecting us 100% of the time, you know. And then for some kids who have asthma and things like that, prolonged use of the mask is even worse for them, you know. So um, we know that its effect is great in in small amounts of time. But in long-term use, we definitely don't have any, you know, anything good. And the best way is just to stay home and isolate yourself and and deal with it other ways, you know. I agree. And also to point out that 
the only um, the only pr prisoner protective equipment that actually worked in regards to masks were the N95s, and those are all yeah. being taken up for really important purposes, such as healthcare. Uh, yeah. The surgical masks, the little blue ones with the strings, bandanas. Uh, there's videos out there that show that most of the particles get in anyways. So, um, yeah, the best method is to stay home. Yeah, yeah, it, and it just defeats the purpose, you know. I mean, if, if we're all just trying to go out and live a normal life um, and go about our days not realizing, you know, uh, the the criticality of, of – of, and or the severity of this issue, you know. And so, I mean, at home – you know, my wife, she's taking it at, you know, over the top extreme, you know, so, you know, coming home, take off my clothes, shower, you know what I mean? Sanitize, groceries, sanitize, groceries being, you know, uh, a pickup only instead of going into the stores. We've kind of let up a little bit on it. And now uh, as things have kind of settled, but the numbers are going up again, you know, and yeah. skyrocketed. And it's important to point out, this is something that got me really mad in regards to my opponent. I'm sure you read it yesterday when he tried to waive the safety protections for H2A farm workers to allow for uh, top bunk beds and lower bunk beds to be used together in the temporary housing. The CDC recommends six feet. They were only three feet apart. And he said, you know, the, these were his excuses. And he was leading the letter to the, to the governor and all the Republicans co-signed. But what, what Tom Dent said really bothered me, saying that farm workers are young and strong, so they're not going to develop uh, complications from COVID-19. And in regards to children, they are young and strong, just like the farm workers he tried to say, they're not going to die from coronavirus. So I want to tell the people that, you know, I called them out. I'm like, the CDC and John Hopkins Medicine say, and the WHO, the World Health Organization, have come out and said, any age, uh, no pre-existing uh, health conditions, underlying health conditions, um, and you still can develop COVID-19 um, complications. You can still die from it. Yeah. And my opponent, Tom Dent, straight up said, you know, fuck science. I'm going to write whatever I, I want to say and say, yeah. you're young and strong. You're not going to die. Why? Because I want to get farm workers back in the fields. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they don't care if they die. They care about the profits yeah they care about profits and about uh pushing you know agriculture into the market yeah their agenda their agenda to benefit from it directly you know what i mean because some of them you know were born into uh, uh you know farm businesses you know what i mean some of them run farm businesses and so they know that they're directly impacted if you know these people had to go home for a time being or if they had to reduce the force you know, and they don't care. All they'll do is just, hey, you know, let's get some more Mexicans from Mexico, you know? Yeah, I'm exactly. Sure in line. So those are the words I used. Expendable, replaceable, disposable. And those are the three words I used to refer to his uh, response to my community's um, grievances. You know, my parents were farm workers. I was a farm worker. Many of my uh, friends were farm workers, are farm workers. and for him to say, you know, pretty much he said it without saying it. If these Mexicans die, we'll just get some new ones from Mexico. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and that's, the, that's the horrible thing to think of, you know, human beings as, you know, something that you could just 
toss and get something else. You know, like if we're some sort of, uh, uh, you know, disposable, you know, uh, uh, utensil, you know what I mean? It, and, and it's horrible to, to know that we have people sitting in office, you know, signing off on policies that directly affect us and we don't we don't know anything about it we didn't have a say in it you know and that's why i've been making it a point to get more involved uh in in politics be more involved in 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 today's time and the current climate with everything going on and then spreading more information instead of people listening to all the misinformation you know and, hey, and here's the issue I agree, and a lot of the people that I've talked to from our age groups, 20 to 30, uh, the people say, well, they only talk about two things. They only talk about one thing, and they talk about two people. They only talk about the presidency, and they talk about Biden versus Trump. But politics is so much more than the presidency. Yes, it's important. Yes. We're going to vote on that. But there's also state and uh, local politics. There's uh, judicial elections, uh, city council state reps, state senate, governorship. Um, so I, I really felt disappointed when people said, um, I, I, I agree with the sentiment. Both Biden and Trump are really, you know, a lesser of two evils. They're really, they're two bad candidates. You know, I was a Bernie supporter and I, and I still am, but I'm probably going to, I'm going to vote for, for Biden. But the thing is, people want to vote third party and um, and uh, protest. They want to vote for Kanye West now as, as a protest. And they want to vote Mickey Mouse or yeah, Libertarian. Yes. Uh, so that's you know third party. You know, it's not. It's just giving a vote to, to Donald Trump. Um, yeah, exactly. So the, the issue is some people are, are are going even harder. They're like, I'm not even going to vote at all in protest, and that's that's even worse. I just want to remind them that. You know, you can still vote for hundreds of other elections. Um, and that's what's disappointing. People see the presidency and they say, I'm not going to vote at all. Yeah. I, I, I challenge you, Vos, to tell the people there's more than one election at stake. And state politics, as we've mentioned, you know, farm workers and immigrants' rights and education are directly affected by the state government which they have a say in good good and and i will i will i will you know challenge myself to 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 get more involved and you know and it's what i've been trying to do i've been trying to get other people with me to join me in in doing this you know in my household trying to educate my children to understand you know what a voting ballot is why you should vote you know what i mean and and the things that are happening around you know our area like uh you know, a new uh, Supreme Court uh, judge, you know, new, um, um, you know, state representatives, legislators, uh, city council members that always are putting in new uh, uh, city codes that, that are BS, you know what I mean? Like, for example, the other day I got a notice on my, my uh, windshield saying, hey, you can't park on your sidewalk. And I'm like, huh? What do you mean? You're going to get a $150 fine if you park on your sidewalk. I'm like, what do you mean? It's connected to my driveway. Well, then I go look up the code. Well, the code passed several years ago. I, I didn't hear about it. And someone passed the code saying that you can't park on the, the piece 
of the sidewalk that's directly connected to your driveway, your driveway. And I'm like, hey, hold up, hold up. I know I pay taxes on this, you know? This is part of my property. But that's a whole other story, you know? Yeah, and I do want to talk about that. City governments are very powerful when it comes to affordable housing. Um, the housing crisis um, where I studied it in San Francisco is really bad. Um, it's really bad in Seattle. Well, city codes um, issue ordinances and uh, zoning zoning plans for the city. For example, if you can use your, um, if you can build single family homes or multifamily homes or affordable housing or commercial, um, that all comes down from the planning commission and um, and also from the local city governments. You know, yeah. city governments are important because we can help our community by allowing affordable housing to for, by easing zoning um zoning restrictions to allow for affordable housing and to allow um builders to build uh multifamily housing to assist the homeless populations in washington yeah, yeah, and we yeah. need people to run, run for local office as well yeah 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 exactly and and so that's why i mean that that whole little scenario you know, got me thinking like, you know what, I'm writing a petition. I'm starting a petition against the city council <laughs> to, to try to, you know, repeal this code because it affects thousands of residents in the city of Moses Lake. You know what I mean? We don't all have big driveways. You know what I mean? We don't all have the, the, the luxury to have a very big, large driveway where we can park, you know, four cars. You know, some of us have a regular, you know, single family residential home where you know our driveway is not the biggest and it's connected directly to a you know technically public sidewalk right but but that easing that that little piece that's connected directly to the to the driveway is actually paid for by every resident who builds in this city and so i i dug into it right and i found out that it is part of our property and we paid for it when we financed our homes so you know what file, i mean the file complaint exactly and so you know the city either pays every resident you know back a portion of that that uh that sidewalk piece and pays us directly and say hey now we own it or they repeal the code you know what i mean and so you know you know i i mean i i love everything that you're doing and it's why i wanted to bring you on here because i think that it's important for other people who are our age you know and our demographic to to see that there's other people that look like us and have lived you know through our shoes um and, and traveled this journey of life um to see that it is possible to have direct effect it is possible to make changes it is possible to come from you know the lowest of the lowest and still be someone either even though you have all these obstacles that you probably have faced in your life. And that's why I wanted to bring you on here because, you know, when I found out about you, I was like, you know what? Like, I, I love what this guy is doing. I love what you're doing. And I love the way that you, that you, you know, uh, you know, speak the way that you, you're, you're putting out your content and consistently putting it out. And, you know, I just, I, I want to, you know, help in any way that I can, uh, whether it's, you know, donating financially to your campaign, um, and getting other people to do so as well. Um, but I want to, I want to, to help any way I can, whether it's marketing, uh, uh, you know, campaigning, whatever it is to be able to make sure that we get the right.
Hi, I think you cut out. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, people can donate at www.electeduardo.com uh, forward slash donate. You can donate on our secure act blue or PayPal. Or you can send a, a, a check to Castaneda for Central Washington, uh, PO Box 476, Quincy, Washington 98848. The biggest issue uh, with my campaign is um, it goes back to Facebook. Uh, so Facebook got sued due to um, you know the fake news and the Russian trolls who took over the 2016 election, and they gave out so much misinformation and disinformation um, regarding politics. And you know the Russian trolls pretty much took over Facebook a few years ago, and then Washington yep. Attorney General Bob Ferguson, I believe, uh, sued sued the heck out of Facebook, and it made it so hard for state politics to run political ads now that Facebook said, we're not going to do political ads in the state of Washington anymore because we can't meet all these requirements. So pretty much, you know, they shot me in the foot. I can't do any paid advertisement on Instagram or Facebook. So I pretty mm -hmm. much have to depend on shares. And I get about 40 shares per, per post. That's pretty good. But, yeah. But how much can we do with paid advertisement? Um, you know, GPS um, uh, advertisement, you know, geographic advertisement. But that's the issue. If you can help me with that and helping me spread the post, that would be appreciated because we, we are not allowed or Facebook doesn't do advertisements in, in, in our state. And that's a, that's a big uh, disadvantage, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely <laughs> when you're trying to get out, you know, uh, a, a Donald Trump Jr. like Tom Dent, you know what I mean? When you're trying to kick someone out like that, it, it's important that your message is being, uh, uh, that's making it across to the masses, you know? So, I mean, you know, YouTube, YouTube uh, does advertising, you know? Um, uh, I think that that would be a good way for you. I mean, a lot of our demographic is on YouTube. People watch YouTube and we can directly campaign um, to target people in the state of Washington for this area, you know, through YouTube uh, paid ads. And they're very cheap, they're fairly cheap. Um, you know, another way, uh, you know, I don't know if you've considered Snapchat, you know, a lot of the young kids, you know, uh, 15 to, to you know, 35 are on Snapchat, you know, and- uh, I've considered Snapchat and TikTok, but do you have a TikTok? I do have a TikTok, yeah, I do. Is, is it worth it? Uh, you know, it's addicting. <laughs> it's very addicting. And, and there is a lot of kids there, you know, and I don't know if, if you'll be able to target, you know, the demographic that you're trying to go, especially for the people that are voters. Right. Um, but you know, uh, I think that it, it gives people a way to, to know that you're a human, you're just like us and you're, you're, um, and you can see what we see, you know what I mean? And, I think that's important when we're across these platforms. I don't think any way is a wrong way. I think any way is is good publicity. You know, um, it's definitely a lot to manage, but you know, it's uh, it's. I think it's important. You know, especially when you're being uh, censored uh, from advertising on Facebook. You know, and um, but you know, that's all the time that I have. Um, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. I, I look forward to, uh, you know, maybe revisiting with you 
you know, later on uh, in your campaign when we get closer to to the elections, um, so we can continue spreading the message. And you know, let's stay in contact and see how we can help. You know, me, my brother, anybody else that that is uh, you know willing to help, um, we'll try to spread your message as, as much as possible. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And I just want to say you can register online, and you vote from home. There isn't an excuse to not vote. Uh, the deadline to, to register to vote uh, in Washington is July 27 online. All you need is a driver's license or a state ID, that number and your, you know, your name and your date of birth. And you can do that in two minutes. And then you receive your ballot at your, at your house. The primary is on August 4th. I'm actually running against a third party candidate. So the top two is a top two pr uh, primary. The top two go to the November 3rd general election. So I need people to vote on August 4th, on or before August 4th, so I can be top two of three to go to November 3rd. Um, and then November 3rd, you vote again, and then we'll see what happens. Great. Okay, so then that's what we'll do. We'll start spreading the message that August 4th is the crucial date to make sure that we get you over the that, that, that uh you know, uh, threshold. And so, um, we'll, we'll start spreading your message, sharing it and everything. Uh, is there anything, uh, last that you want to say before we, uh, disconnect? Uh, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, this is the first interview we've done for the campaign. Um, I do have, um, a debate versus Tom Dent on Saturday, but it will not be televised. It will be with the league of women voters in Kittitas County. Um, it will be posted on their website, League of Women Voters. It will be uh, about five questions each, uh, two-minute videos, and then they'll put them together. So it's going to be via Zoom. So on, on Sunday, uh, look for those uh, comparisons between Tom so and I. Is, this is this Saturday? Yeah, but it won't be live. It, it will just be chopped up. Mm. Is there any way that it could be live? Well, I wanted it to be, but I don't know what their reasoning was, but it's going to be um, proctored by the Daily Record, which is a city of Ellensburg's a newspaper. Okay. Um, I don't like the format either, how it's not live and they're going to chop it up. And No, I'm a little paranoid. See what happens. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, good luck. Uh, any way that we can help you, you know, please reach out. And, um, you know, I really appreciate your time once again and keep doing it, keep fighting the fight, uh, you know, for Mexicans across the, the nation and the, and, the, and the world who are thinking of coming here, you know, and anybody who's dealt with the struggle, I think they'll definitely be able to uh, see your view, you know? All right, thank you so much, folks, for your time. Hey, take care, Eduardo. Bye. Bye. So we, before we end this uh, podcast, I know it's a, a little long, but some of you have been telling me that you'd like the podcast longer. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, uh, I'm going to give you longer. It's important to note that if you want to support Eduardo Castaneda, please go over to electeduardo.com to donate and help him push his campaign forward. If you're not registered to vote but are able to register to vote, 
um, please reach out reach out to me if you need help. Uh, DM me um, via Instagram at VOZ Music, on Snapchat at VOZFBC, um, on Facebook, anywhere. Anywhere you can reach me, hit me up. Let me know you need help um, registering to vote. And it's important. The primaries are coming up. It's important that we get our vote in in August for Eduardo. And for all my Mexicans, all my minorities out there that are listening to me, please share this podcast. Please uh, share my post. Please share uh, Eduardo's post when you see it. I think it is important for us to stick together, especially in these crucial times. It is it is in our best interest to support each other, come together as one and elect officials who definitely have our interest at hand who want to really help, who come from the struggle, who come from the bottom, who started from nothing and are wanting and willing to go through through the, the rejection and the hardship that it's going to take in uh, politics to be able to create real change. So please go donate. anything helps him in his campaign to electeduardo.com. That is E-L-E-C-T-E-D-U-A-R-D-O.com. Electeduardo.com. It is important that we all contribute, that we all help. You're going to spend $10 on a cheeseburger, uh, medium fries, and a Coke at... um, at McDonald's, why not spend it on investing in your future and your kids' future? Because when we invest into these politicians who have our general interest at heart, then we're investing in our futures because it is important that we do. And it's important to know as well, I, I just drew a blank for some reason, but it's important to note that... Um, um, the easiest way that you can have any direct impact uh, is by helping us um, spread our message and share our post, share this podcast, share his post. Um, and by helping it reach more people, it helps us get the message across. Um, unfortunately, politicians in the state of Washington are um, prohibited from running ads on Facebook. And the majority of his content is on Facebook for Eduardo. And we're working with him to try to figure out, um, um, you know, other ways for him to to market his campaign. But because Facebook has restrictions amongst politicians, I'm not sure if this is nationwide. But as far as we spoke on the on the interview, you know, you may have heard that he said that he's he can't run ads. Um, That being said. We need to help them any way we can. Um, if we can put people that look like us in office, then they understand where we come from, and then they're more likely to help us out when we need it. So, again, electeduardo.com. Go uh, um, donate, register to vote at voter.votewa.gov, and um, there's going to be a YouTube video for this. It's on my channel um youtube.com slash uh, voz music one 
go check it out. It's going to be on there. And the first of many conversations that I will be having with important figures, not only politicians, but anybody. You want to have a conversation? Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Let's rant. Let's talk some shit. You know, let's debate. We need to have these conversations, these uncomfortable conversations um, and the good conversations. So I hope that uh, you guys like this interview. I enjoyed it. You know, it, it wasn't an interview to me. It was literally a conversation with uh, another person that I was generally interested in learning about. And I learned a lot about him and I learned about a lot about his views. And I believe that he's going to make a great um, legislator and I am rooting for him all the way through. And so I hope that you are too. Anyways, it's VOZ. I'm out.